Keep She Shatters and She Burns fans, this is Hannah Austin, your host for the She Burns podcast. I'm excited to announce that my first book, Hello Head, Meet Heart, is now out on Amazon. For more tips, tricks, and ways that you can burn bright and not burn out, visit me on Amazon at Hello Head, Meet Heart. Happy reading! Welcome to the She Burns Podcast, the go-to podcast for women who were born to burn bright without burning out. When you're at the top of your game, the difference between handling the heat and boiling over comes down to the right self-care advice at the right time. And if you're ready to take your seat around the campfire, these interviews with inspiring women will help you keep your flame alive. everyone. I'm Hannah Austin, and this is the She Burns podcast. In this episode, I'm talking with Emily Jensen, who is the CEO for Thinking Tree Spirits in Eugene, Oregon. Emily is the thinking behind Thinking Tree Spirits. Her vision to create a farm-to-flask distillery has been the driving force behind the brand. As the CEO, she blends one part perseverance, two parts community, and a dash of gut instinct to create a mission that endeavors to bring people together. In 2020, Emily worked hand-in-hand with industry peers and Senator Ron Wyden to pass the Craft Beverage Modernization Act. Being raised by a grizzly bear biologist in Alaska taught her exceptional survival skills and has given her a great respect for the environment. Welcome, Emily. I am so excited that you're here with me today. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you. So this is going to be a super fun interview for you and I, since you're, you are a dear friend of mine from high school, and I know tons about you, which most I cannot say online, but for our <laughs> listeners, can you start with where you're from and what was growing up like for you in Alaska? Yeah, well, as you know, I was raised on the Bering Sea in Nome, Alaska, as well as Juneau, Alaska in the Tongass National Forest until I was in high school where my family then moved to Anchorage. My father was a wildlife biologist and specialized in grizzly bear biology. And so growing up in Alaska for me was a unique experience. I didn't have television until I was well into my teens. You know, we did a lot of, you know, walking to school and riding around in skiff boats with tranquilized grizzly bears that were being moved from downtown Juneau out to Admiralty Island. So I would say in comparison to most American girls, I had a pretty unique upbringing. Yeah, you've had an incredible background in childhood. I remember hearing those stories in high school. But as we know, Alaska tends to breed strong and pretty fierce women. Two of them are on, yeah. the, on the line today. <laughs> <laughs> How did you get from Alaska to Eugene? You know, actually, it's kind of a fun story. As you know, Hannah, I was a pretty diehard advocate for environmental wilderness preservation and for change in Anchorage when I was a teenager, worked on the Tongass issue, as well as developing curbside recycling in Alaska. And the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge was being threatened for oil and gas development. And as a teenager, I got involved with Alaska Wilderness League and my senior year spent a fair amount of time in Washington, D.C. as a citizen's lobbyist working to put legislation in to protect the Arctic refuge on the coastal plain of Alaska. I was brought to Eugene by the University of Oregon Law Conference to speak at their conference when I was 18 and fell in love with Eugene. And after traveling far reaches of the world by myself with a backpack and going to music school in New Orleans, I knew Eugene would be a great place to call home and have a family. So I came back. 
That's awesome. What did you do before Thinking Tree? So you've done a lot of advocacy. I know you've dabbled, obviously, you're a huge, amazing singer. Those of you, I'm going to put her link to her music on the website later. But tell me a little bit about like, why Thinking Tree? Like what led you to be and start a distillery? Oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. I've been really fortunate to have a passion-driven work life my entire life. I got my degree in clinical music therapy, and I loved the ability to facilitate healing and change in people's lives in a powerful way with the use of music. I've been a performing musician since I was a child. I still function as a professional musician. I don't tour as often since COVID anymore or play quite as many gigs, but music is a a deeply valuable and healing part of my life. And I worked in that sector for a long time in acute psych, as well as children's hospital. And then I spent 10 years developing a school for children affected by autism spectrum disorder and utilizing music as a modality for change with severely disabled and violent blind children on the spectrum that needed support. I reached a moment in my life as a musician and as a therapist where I wanted to really focus my efforts for my children into creating something that could give our family more stability moving forward. And I wanted to be able to make a larger change in my community. And I was singing a gig up in Portland and the venue offered my band and I the the compensation and the drink tickets. And I was pregnant at the time. And I was like, you know, I need to start a company that aligns with my values as an environmentalist and distilling is the ultimate recycling and, and also fits in a box. It doesn't have a shelf life and can be repeatable and scaled. And hence the, the beginning of thinking tree spirits. Wow. That's awesome. I love, I've toured, I have the opportunity to tour the distillery and you've done such a great job. Like it's really a machine down there. And I think you guys have expanded. Every time I'm seeing your social media, you're, there's some new food truck or something going on. We'll talk a little bit more about your advocacy with the Craft Beverage Monetization Act later, but so proud of you. So that's awesome. So one of the things that you and I've talked about, I think over the years is just being a career woman, right? So I don't have kids, you have kids. We've talked a lot about, you know, what it's like to raise, you know, young children now in this day and age. But in looking back, you know, what lessons did you learn in an early age regarding what having it all was supposed to look like as a woman? I know, especially in Alaska, we -hmm. felt very isolated, but at the same time, we felt like there was an immense pressure because we're coming from Alaska then to a new place and putting your stake, you know, I'm an Alaskan girl coming then to Oregon saying, I am Emily, hear me roar. I am Hannah, hear me roar. What what were you told or, or what was around you at an early age regarding what having it all looked like? Having it all in in my family as a child was about having the freedom to be really surrounded by the beauty of the earth, which is a lot of outdoor time Mm -hmm. for me. That's definitely a way that I recharge and rejuvenate. I I take my kids camping. I do a fair amount of rafting when I can in the summer. Any way that I can get outside is really valuable to me. I spend time daily outside. I try to get as much as I can in. So having it all meant time freedom. And I, you know, was fortunate enough to, my mother's here for the first time in almost two years because of COVID. I was raised by a Montana farm girl who built two, you know, cabins up in the Arctic with my dad, hundreds of miles away from any other human beings. So I was taught an incredible work ethic by somebody who didn't choose a career, but raised our family and is immensely industrious and great cook and food preserver and canner and skier and hiker. So I was raised by strong women in my family. The choice to actually 
get a professional career and, and get a, a fairly expensive education was something that was foreign for my grandmother and, and my mother, even though it was something they wanted for me. So yeah, I hope I answered that. <laughs> you did. Yeah. Well, I think that's just a follow-up question is, so what expectations, if any, were placed on you to have a successful career, right? So you had your mom and then you had your dad as the juxtaposition of the contrast. And then you had your sister, right? So your mm-hmm. sister's a super talented artist. So out of kind of that sphere, and then in going in high school, you know, we were in a, a lot of AP classes, right? We were driven young women. Mm-hmm. So when you thought about what was next, a successful career was singing to you. Did you want to be a professional? Like, what did you think in your 20s? In your 20s, we think we can do everything, right? But what was that kind of expectation or was there a burden? Did you feel like there was or was it like- There was not an expectation from my family for me to have a career. The expectation was for me to be a good mother and a good wife and the desire and the expectation of myself to have a great career was absolutely 10 out of 10. I wanted it all and I knew that I could achieve it all and enjoy having a great family and- also have a highly successful career. So first and foremost, I am firmly a belief of the belief that you are the company that you keep. I've always been attracted to incredibly vivacious, strong, capable change makers. You are one of them. And my network of girlfriends in college are their dynamic force. They're a mixture of musicians and therapists, ER doctors and, and lobbyists and attorneys. And I have a friend who was raised in a trailer park who's living in London as an attorney now. So just taking big sweeping risks and going for it without apology is luckily the kind of, of women I've surrounded myself with my whole life. I've been very fortunate there. Yeah. And I think that the company that you keep is so important. I think it also comes down to just what you said, taking big leaps and taking big risks. One of the things I've always admired about you, my husband actually talk about you often is, you know, you're one of those people like you just take a risk. Like what's the worst that can happen? Right. And I think you, the learning that you've had from that, and I think part of that's living in Alaska. Cause I talked to a lot of women who are now out of Alaska, but lived there. We just did it. Like it, you just did it. <laughs> I don't want to describe it other than you just take that leap. And I think there's that freedom in Alaska and like being in the wilderness, like you said, like you're raised almost, I want to say carnally, but it's, why not? What's the worst could happen? Get eaten by bear. I mean, and we weren't, and we weren't raised with money being the value. We were raised with a completely different set of standards. Clothing was not first and foremost, as high school students, we were just wearing our long underwear under our our flannel filled jeans to keep warm. Exactly. Yeah. Especially in prom. I think our, our, (laughs) we never really saw our prom dresses because we were wearing like big, huge down coats and puffy, puffy shoes. Yeah. And our graduating class, you know, 95% of us all went away and to the lower 48 to go to college. So it was the culture that we were in. Go fly, go, go succeed, yeah. go into the world. So the idea of like sticking around and, and staying at home and doing one yeah. Tuesday wasn't something that was even encouraged in our mm-hmm. education. I think we had an enormously spectacular special experience as high school students. The more mm-hmm. people I get to know, the more I'm like, wow, what we were given at SWS East yeah. Anchorage High School was a truly unique education. Yeah. For those of you listening, I mean, SWS was a school within a school in each East Anchorage High School, like Emily said, and it was labeled to us as gifted kids. You never know <laughs> what that means, but we felt gifted. And the teachers that we had, I mean, I think about Sally and Ms. DeBrow and Michael Fenster and, you know, all the amazing shout out people that we had. Mr. Curran mm-hmm. was a great. So we learned a ton from them. So, you know, when I think about 
you know, where you are now and the last couple of years, I've watched you and heard talk to you about pivoting, you know, thinking tree spirits with coronavirus, all the new regulations, mask, no mask. Hey, mm-hmm. the distillery's closed today. It's open today. It's been such a whirlwind now, basically the new normals change, right? I mean, it, it's now change. So when you think about the last two years, I guess I would say now we're in the third phase of COVID and we think about burnout in general, can you share with us what you've been through, you know, mm-hmm. whether as a mom, a wife, as a CEO, you know, talk to me a little bit about, I'm going to say called personal burnout story, but mm-hmm. tell us like what's been going on with you. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. It's been a, a wild ride for me as it has for most of us. And I'll just sum it up. You know, I turned around in 2018 and my partner of 18 years at that point in time woke up in tremendous state of crisis, midlife crisis and deep depression and said he couldn't feel anything, didn't know who he was and needed to go figure it out. My children are amazing people for both of us. They are now, Ruby is almost 16 next month and Moses is 12, almost 13. But at the time that was incredibly frightening for me. I learned how to buckle down and step fully into the role of CEO in my company and try to hold space for my partner, even though he needed to leave our marriage and support him through his journey. And so that was a tremendous challenge and growth that I had to go through in digging deep and hold space for my kids. Simultaneously, in February of 2020, I started making hand sanitizer and giving it out to my community before lockdown or coronavirus had really been a thing. And I quickly realized we needed to make it and make it legally for our government and to be able to sell it. And my team turned to me and they're like, there's no way FDA and TTP won't allow you to. So I reached out to those warm leads, Ron Wyden, Senator Ron Wyden, Representative Peter DeFazio in, in DC. And I said, will you help me? Will you cut red tape so we can make this legally? Everyone needs us to. And we were the first craft distillery in the country to get a licensure to make hand sanitizer. We collectively as a group rallied two other distilleries together. And in the course of eight weeks, we made you know over 100,000 proof gallons of hand sanitizer for Oregon Health Authority support hospitals and clinics and first responders. That was an effort to the nth degree that I can't even really, the way that it stretched my people and the way that we had to push and persevere on top of bringing my children into my home, helping them transition through a major emotional shift that they've been going through with our family and supporting me as I was am growing into the woman who is strong enough to lead a company of this size and scale while they're in school online alone in their bedrooms. Oh my God. The level of of stress was untenable. So I have to say like coming through that and navigating that, it turned me on emotionally, mentally in a way where I understood the depth of my Mm -hmm. strengths Mm -hmm. and the depth of my ability to persevere, but the ebb and flow of maintaining that energy as we shift and move. I feel so fortunate that my company actually was able to support the effort in a moment when COVID-19 was terrorizing our community. Mm-hmm. It gave me a purpose, but maintaining that energy for the company and continuing to grow while we're still a very new growing scaling company that needs capital, 
<laughs> it exhausts me to an incredible length. <laughs> That's an incredible story. I mean, I've been speaking with hundreds of women, as you know, the last couple of months about, you know, how are they doing this, right? And the stories are different, obviously, chronologically and detail wise, but that immense digging deep from inside, finding that something within inside you that keeps you going, whether it's, you know, homeschooling your kids, or I'm the CEO of a company, or I think for you is thinking outside the box or getting ahead of the curve of what is my community going to need? And Mm -hmm. hey, I have alcohol, why don't I turn that into hand sanitizer, and making lemonade out of lemons, I think, but bottom line is, do you think in times of crisis, and especially when coronavirus happened, and you were getting traction with, you know, the senator, and the governors and reaching out to them and asking for help. Wasn't it interesting how everyone is just people, like Mm -hmm. people just are trying to survive and thrive during a crisis. I find it was really interesting and collapsing, you know, obviously Senator and governor, they have high roles, but reaching out to them and just across the aisle or saying to them as from one community member to another, how can I help you and how can you help me? Did that change your view on kind of humanity and legislation in general? Because that was like pretty cool. I mean, radically, it radically changed my yeah. We reached out to five different breweries and said, hey, we've got Mainstem Malt to donate the mash. Can you guys mash all of this so we can push it through our rectifying column? Can, would you be willing to do this fast? Absolutely. Reached out to Tyree Oil and Sequential said, if we need to pump in ethanol that's coming from across the country, can you help us with water suppression ponds? Wow. Trent Tyree went to work. Ian Hill went to work. And then just problem solving one thing at a time. And what it gave me was an incredible belief in how effective our system is capable of being when the chips are down and work needs to be done. It inspired me to re-engage in our incredible political process and say, much can be changed. I think the biggest win for our little craft distillery this year, we just passed and signed into law on the 28th of June, SB 316, which reduces tasting room taxes from 47% of our gross take per month to wow. 5% like wine and beer so that our business wow. a shot at becoming profitable. And it was arduous levels of work to pull that off on the mm-hmm. local level. And so I guess what I want to say about that is that you aren't powerless in your community. Mm-hmm. Like this little thing, our system that we have, it's not completely broken. Right. There are ways in which we can be involved as a community. Yes. People want to help each other. They are intrinsically good. And I believe that. And I would much rather operate from that standpoint yes. than a place of critique and yeah. complaining and ripping things down. Yeah. Create a solution. I tell kids every day, create a solution. What are you bringing to the table to solve mm-hmm. the problem? Well, and creating a win-win. I mean, I think that one of the things that you're certainly highlighting during this discussion right now is everyone should be on the same side and attacking the problem, not each other. And I think it's a true testament to you and the senators and the governors and everyone, like all the all the yeah. companies that you mentioned, reaching out and basically being on the same side and treating the COVID <laughs> COVID as the enemy, right? And really yes. looking to how can we how can we combat it again? So yeah. that's amazing, Emily. So proud of you. I think it's very inspiring, and I'm sure our listeners are going to be like, wow. I need to hang out with Emily a little bit more so I can get my bill passed. (laughs) So it sounds like you braved the burnout storm, obviously, you know, looking deep inside yourself, spending time with your kids, you know, leaning across the aisle, working with people and looking back. So I know that we're still like in phase three of COVID. I don't know how many phases there are going to be, but in looking back at the last two years, anyways, what advice would you give that version of yourself with the knowledge that you have now? Like mm-hmm. and kind of you're you're on you're on the heavens, you're looking down, looking at yourself, like what would you say to that person? What yeah. would you say to yourself? 
I mean, I have, I'm not going to lie to you. I have some really big challenges in front of me with the company already. And so it's a daily practice that I have to be very cognizant of how I take good care of myself to avoid burnout. Learning how to say no has been a big girl grow up thing for me, especially building my own business my whole life, learning how to be like, okay, we have enough momentum. I can pick and choose how I'm going to spend my time, even socially in every way, like really guarding my time with my children because I only have them half time and I adore them. And even though my family is still intact, we have family dinners, birthday dinners once a week, all that kind of thing. I still really cherish my time with my children. My time with myself, getting as much regular exercise. I have a daily rule with myself, just tie your shoes. And even if it's, I only have time for a 25 minute walk, then that's what it is. I can't always run or hike or stand up paddleboard or do all the things I want to do. And really getting a lot of sleep mm-hmm. has been something, I've been somebody who can function on a very low level of sleep. And as I move into my forties, I've recognized the importance for me to set a timer and get myself into bed. Even if it means I'm up in the night mm-hmm. and I read or I do something else to help calm myself down and go back to sleep. And then the other thing is just, is making sure that I am picking people to surround myself with who are going where the water is flowing, like not mm-hmm. swimming up river. Yeah. I'm cool to accommodate relationships and friendships that aren't aligned in that way. Maybe and, someone's stuck on a rock or. Yeah, rock. <laughs> yeah totally. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And, just, and figuring out the subtle art of not giving a fuck, which mm-hmm. is, my, you know, as a, as a double Pisces is super challenging. Hard. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's. Let's talk about phones because I'm super curious about this. This is something I struggle with. Where do you keep your phone? So you're saying you're setting your timer and putting yourself to bed. That's super cute. What are you doing with your, where's your phone? Is your phone under your pillow? Is it by your bed? Are you one of those people that you're like tucking your phone in so you're setting down your better boundaries? I'm curious because a lot of women struggle with this. A lot of people struggle with this. I definitely struggle with it. The Emily that I want to be turns her phone off at 10 o'clock at night and leaves it in another room. And I do that about, if I'm completely honest, about 33 and a half percent of the time right now, (laughs) I've gotten myself into a really bad habit of watching Apple television in my bed on my phone. (laughs) But (laughs) I'd love to say I'm reading all the, you know, New York Times bestsellers and Pulitzer Prize winning novels from the date of my birth until now, but I'm not doing that. But I try, you know, one day at a time, I definitely silence my phone. And I try to take one day a week where I shut my phone off and I leave it at home. And I find that it's really hard for me, actually, that I'm like, oh, what if so-and-so is trying to reach me or have these commitments? Or what if there's an emergency? But I think that it's really important. And I and typically it's Sundays, I shut my phone down in the morning and then I go and I play with friends or I hike or I go swimming or I do something outside and I, I take a break. So that's your designated day, Sunday. Pretty much. Yeah. Emily Holy Day. Kind of. Yeah. I I work a lot of Saturdays right now. Yeah. Yeah. Good. So let's talk about your daughter and the legacy that you want to leave to her. So I love what you said about your mom and your sister really being raised by strong women. Obviously, you know, Ruby seeing you in action as a mom, as a wife, as a mother, as a CEO. What have you said to her? What are you wanting to leave as a legacy for her as far as burnout or self-care. Like when you think about our generation and then your daughter's generation and what she's been through and your son too, what they've been through during this time of COVID and taking care of themselves, right? Because the kids are struggling right now. I mean, they've been in school, out of school, in school. Do I see my friends? Do I not? Am I going to die? Am I, I mean, scary stuff. 
-hmm. So what legacy and what are you telling your kids during this time? That this is not permanent. This is, we are moving into some new place and it's been incredibly challenging for them to be so isolated and separated from their friend groups. I'm fortunate enough to have two kids that are vaccinated now. So my heart really breaks and goes out to parents whose kids yet don't have that level Mm -hmm. of safety factor built in. I'm not going to lie. I didn't have a bathtub in the middle of COVID in the house that we're in. And my daughter was like, I just want to warm up. It's rainy, cold winter. It was, it was January. And so, you know, we looked online, it's COVID, you know, it's the year of the patty. You get a hot tub. Not a hot tub. And I got to say, it's a place that my kid, I grew up, my mom always had mm-hmm. a hot tub. And yeah. I grew up, my mom was like, there's a spot where you cannot run away. You can't go to your room. You can't leave. And my daughter asks me every night, let's take a soak. And mm. we got there and I just listen. I just listen. And we keep those lines of communication open and we talk about everything. We talk about we talk about love. We talk about our love for ourself. She's a dedicated runner and cyclist herself. We talk about drugs. We talk about sex. We talk about all of that because I want that door and window to be open for my daughter to feel like no matter what, no harm, no foul. My mom is in my corner and I can go to her first. I love that. Oh, I love that. Let's take a soak. Yeah. Yeah. So that's our catch up. We'll do the next podcast in my hot tub and your hot tub with Zoom. (laughs) (laughs) So we've talked a lot about burnout, self-care and what you're doing in this world. Thank you so much. I want to pivot a little bit to some fun and food for thought questions. So for our audience, I never tell anyone what I'm going to be asking them for this portion because it's fun. It's kind of like, what's the secret word on Saturday Night Live? But here we go. So if I told you that you could be seven years old for a day with no responsibilities or worries, what would you spend that day doing? Uh, Love this question. Yeah, it's so fun. I love it too. Seven years old for a day and with no responsibilities? No. Okay. Well, I would love it if it can transcend a little bit of space and travel. We're going to eliminate the travel piece. I'd start in the morning and I'd be surrounded with my nearest and dearest close friends, you would of course be there. And we would be sitting on a placid blue sky day, probably in Southeast Alaska, drinking coffee. Cause we'd of course be drinking coffee when we're seven and we'd probably kayak in the morning and, Ooh. and see humpback whales Ooh. and be in the great majestic space of Alaska. And then in the afternoon, we would be recovering from our 20 years of Arctic freezing. <laughs> and we would be somewhere fantastic in the tropics on a beautiful beach, swimming and snorkeling and Ooh, wow. enjoying enjoying the water and enjoying friendship and playing games and, and laughing like you and I often like to do when we go. I feel on. like we already do that now. And we're <laughs> Well, I try to keep a child's eye. Yes. Yes. To life now. Yes. Well, that sounds amazing. As you know, I'll be right there beside you. Maybe not drinking coffee, probably like a Yoohoo or a, <laughs> like, what was that? Like orange yeah. drink, Tang or whatever they had back in the day. <laughs> yes, Tang. We're so dating ourselves. So I love that question. It's super fun. So here's one that's like Oprah worthy, right? So I learned about this question during my book doula class because I'm in the process of writing a book. So here's a question that's a little bit more reflective in nature, okay? Okay. Answer the following statement with the first response that comes to you. 
if you really knew me, you would know that I am like one of those hard candies with a soft, chewy center. (laughs) You're a Rolo. No, you're a, you're a lifesaver. I love it. Oh my God. Oh, like with the gooey strawberry center. No. Yeah. (laughs) So a tough exterior with a gooey center. Yeah. 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 I agree with that. I I agree with that. So. Well, it's been so fun. I can't believe the time has flown by. I want to thank you so much for your time today. I've had a blast. It feels like, you know, just yesterday that we saw each other. So you are doing such amazing work in your community and across the country now. I mean, you're famous. I need your autograph. (laughs) I'm so grateful that you're here to share your story and fun energy with us. And I so appreciate you, my dear friend. Mm, I appreciate you. And I love you so very much. I'm proud of you. And I I wish you the best in this new venture and endeavor. No one is better built for it than you. So I'm super excited to be a part of it. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So team, this is a great episode today. I've known Emily since we were in high school, which was like we said, 25 years ago, and we're totally dating ourselves. But I learned some new and incredible things about her today, especially about the hard exterior and the soft metal. (laughs) But hearing Emily talk about her journey reminds us of how impactful it can be when we get to dig deeper into women's lives and backgrounds and hear their stories. These stories validate that we are not alone in our circumstances of burnout. It gives us hope and challenges us to work on ourselves from the inside out. As women, we are all searching for what lights us up, and together we can learn how to burn brightly and not burn out. To our listeners today, for more information on Thinking Tree Distillery or Emily, please visit their website at www.thinkingtreespirits.com. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us on the She Burns podcast. We are so grateful for your time energy, and support. For more tips, resources, and tools on how to burn bright, please visit us at sheshatters.com or on Instagram at sheshattersllc. 